Welcome to the world of fiction, where we're lying, but that's okay. One prepared host, two neurodivergent nerds, two authors dig deeper into the lies that expose truths. If you're a fan of fiction with a curious mind, tune in each week for discussions on speculative worlds, fandom, the industry, and creating. Let's talk about fan fiction. I'm your prepared host, J.S. Garrity. And I'm the host who's winging it, Ludlow Adams. For our new listeners out there, every week I choose and prepare a topic because I'm a researcher and a planner. And I find out the topic about a half an hour before because I'm, imp I'm an improviser and good on my feet. Let's get into it. Yeah, until I try to speak anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> so this is... a. Uh, and it was interesting timing because um, I, I'd obviously planned this topic a few weeks ago, but uh, today or yesterday, yesterday, yeah, yesterday there was a, a post in um, our MFA Facebook group about someone who took a piece of fan fiction that they loved and had it bound and printed into a book themselves. So that they could have, you know, a book form of this fan fiction they loved that they could put on their shelf. And this fellow writer said that it, it bothered her because it felt like stealing. And people in that particular fan fiction group um, very much disagreed with her. And, and so she came to her fellow MFA colleagues to find out what we all thought. And it, I think it was, it was an interesting discussion um, about whether... You know, something that you publish online without intending to ever have it bound or sold in a, you know, a book form. Mm -hmm. Is it okay for people to print it out themselves to, to have it bound and, um, and, you know, related to that, is it okay for people to write fan fiction based on worlds and characters that are trademarked and are the intellectual property of, of someone else? So a lot of interesting, interesting discussions to be had. You should not be surprised at all to know that I, in fact, have entirely missed this entire <laughs> thread and discussion. <laughs> <laughs> you can, I mean, you can hop on and see. My take on it was if somebody's printing out my fan fiction that I've just, you know, casually posted online, um, I think that's extremely flattering. And I can see how it could, you know, potentially cause issues if it became a really common practice or um, if people tried to resell or anything like that. But if somebody loves my work so much, like if they went on my blog and they took all of my blog posts and compiled them and printed it in a book, that would be so flattering for yeah. something that I never intended to make money on in the first place. Yeah. And so I can definitely see that from that side. I mean, as writers, mm -hmm. we want people to read our work, you know, yeah. as I mean, maybe even more than we want to be able to make a living at it. We want people to enjoy it. Um, mm -hmm. Although, you know, when you've got bills to pay, we definitely want to make a living at it as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I that's a that's a crazy one. I mean, so from that yeah. side, I'm like, I'm all for it for, from the side of. You know, could that possibly um, take money out of a 
the originating author's pockets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm always kind of torn on this one. I I think fan fiction, some of it can be amazing stuff. So I love some of it, but then some of it you look back on and you're like, seriously? Like, how did this gain traction? And yet somehow people have taken fan fiction and made themselves a nice writing career from it. Mm -hmm. You know, Fifty Shades of Grey for one. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I guess not a lot, but there is some fan fiction out there that um, publishers will pick up and they'll just take out any of the identifying language from the original inspirational material and turn it into its own published work that and, and, and that launches careers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy and and I think so many of us actually start out by writing fan fiction. You know, I don't think that's an unusual route for a writer to become a writer. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense because sometimes um, half the battle is is finding the idea that inspires you. There's already yeah. an idea that inspires you and you're you're already making up new stories within that world. Yeah. It's a great way to practice the craft. Yeah. I never wrote fan fiction, but I, de- I definitely used to um, to fall asleep at night when I couldn't sleep, make up new stories within different worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also write letters back and forth with my cousin um, via email where we were playing characters within a world and writing to each other as those characters, which actually, interestingly enough, that's how fan fiction be- first became a thing. It's been going Mm. on for a really long time. It became what it is today with Star Trek, Star Trek fan fiction, mostly written by women who wanted to do the female characters in Star Trek more justice than they were Mm -hmm. originally given. And, you know, put in some more uh, primary female characters into the world and the story. Um, But before that, people were writing fan fiction. They were just doing it in a more casual way in like correspondence with each other women used to write letters to each other um talking about their different ideas and that included you know sort of a type of criticism of things they'd read and fan fiction sort of um came from that kind of correspondences and and was done via letters between women Hmm. I yeah. really didn't have time to like look up the history of fan fiction. <laughs> um, well, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> fair. That's that's fair. And yeah. I think I might be winging it a little bit more than usual on this on this episode. Um, Which is fine. Yeah, it's it's just interesting to me where you know the roots of things come from. A lot of the mm-hmm. times, correspondence is a really big deal. Um, you know, as, as problematic as Lovecraft is, there's a whole lot of authors out there who have had their, their hands in like the Cthulhu mythos, Mm -hmm. um, who were correspondents of his. And, um, apparently a lot of the, the cosmic horror world in the last 20 years has actually been very, very female. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I have a, I have a friend who works for a cosmic horror publishing house and, and she talks about it quite a bit. She's like, yeah, it's, it's a lot of it is, is women driven now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and in, in any other circumstance that could be considered to be fan fiction, but, you know, except for the fact that Lovecraft and, and the other people who are creating it at the time, um, or were, were continuing it at the time because mm -hmm. cosmic horror had already been around, but you know, they, they just, they made it formal, almost mm -hmm. like a creative common license or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I think that we think of fan fiction in the very limited perspective of what it is today, but it's a lot more, um, it, there's a lot more to it and, and yeah. it's history and I think a lot of things that we wouldn't necessarily think of as fan fiction today was like fan fiction in its time. So there's, you know, people wrote sequels to Don Quixote. Um, there's the Pride and Prejudice and Zombies mm -hmm. book. Um, things that are, you know, were published and we don't necessarily think of as, oh, that's fan fiction. That's, that's what they are. They're fan fiction. Yeah. They're stories imagined using the an original inspiration source yeah makes sense i mean it really does you know um and and i think every time we have like a really popular author there's gonna be just hordes of stuff written mm -hmm. um and you know uh tolkien has had reams and reams and reams of original stories come from you know his inspiration um mm -hmm. You know, there's a there's an author by the name of Dennis L. McKiernan. Um, he was in an auto accident sometime in the 80s and he broke his back. And one of the ways he kind of went, uh, kept himself sane, I guess, is the best way to say it, while he was recovering, was by writing Middle Earth fan fiction, basically, and, and ended mm -hmm. up getting published eventually. And some of it was actually really well thought out. And some of it was like, okay, but, you know. It's it's out there and people mm -hmm. make a real living on it. Now, you know, by the time that had happened, um, Tolkien had been dead for, you know, a decade or so. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we can say the original author isn't being hurt, but yet his estate could have been. Mm -hmm. um, so it's yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of argument one way or another for it. I, yeah. I just I keep trying to come up with a, a, a single position and I don't know that I have one. I just Well, don't. and there's different levels of fan fiction too, because you get the, you know, the forums and the online platforms where no one's making money off of it. People are mm -hmm. just sharing their stories with each other. Um, I had a, a friend as a teenager who, who participated in fan fiction in that way. Um, it's just, you know, a, a group of fans, a community coming together and making up stories together. No profit, no intention of, of, you know, being more pervasive than just on that website or on that forum. Um, and then you get to the ones where there people are writing much longer pieces and they are making money off of it in, you know, various ways, subscription or um, advertising or, or however... And then you get, you know, the full length novels that 
are then picked up by a publisher and then that identifying language just replaced with you know like changing the names and mm-hmm. um locations or whatever putting it in a completely different kind of context or setting whatever they need to do to uh, what they call it is filing off the serial numbers essentially um and it, yeah i think at different levels you know authors could have very different opinions yeah. on what's ethical and what's not yeah you know and some authors are very much like absolutely not no matter what and other mm-hmm. authors are like yeah go for it you know um and then others are like you know as long as you're not making money from it mm-hmm. so i think that was always uh george lucas's uh issue with with uh certain kinds of things he would he would basically say you know as long as you don't do merchandising or make money from it it's fine yeah yeah so including full edits of of some of the uh, the star wars movies um mm-hmm. so yeah i gosh yeah george lucas is one who who really took a stand with that um and made it very clear his opinions a lot of authors don't necessarily address the fan fiction at all um but yeah george lucas was very adamant that it was stealing if people wrote within his world and with his characters yeah which i think is fair i think if an author comes out or a a creator um and says they don't want people doing it i i think that you know it's their story it's their intellectual property that's their call maybe you would make a different decision as an author but um they could have very good reasons for that it might feel violating to them or um you know something as pervasive and huge as star wars i think that it's something that could easily get out of hand as well yeah yeah i can definitely yeah yeah you know and there's been like you know dozens and dozens of star wars novels and i'm gonna get some eight for this one but you know back when they were being published people were like oh they're all canon and and lucas was Mm -hmm. always like no they're not they're not canon Mm-hmm. So in a, in a real way, you know, people were getting paid actual money to make Star Wars fan fiction. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and now Disney, you know, has been very clear about that. You know, they're like, we're going to call that Star Wars Legends. Mm-hmm. It's not canon until it ends up in a show, a movie or, right. a, or a, a comic um, mm-hmm. book even. So, yeah. yeah. There's a, I think it was a. Um, webinar with the Sinatio. There was a author who talked to uh, the the MFA students about ghostwriting and and being you know contracted for specific kinds of work. And she writes Star Wars novels for Disney. Yeah, and it's very like scripted in the sense that she gets told exactly what needs to be written and it has yeah. to follow yeah. the, you know a set of rules and um that that sounds like my professor yeah yeah maybe it means the same person yeah it's possible i don't remember what her name was but she i think she was an she professor so yeah that would make sense um francis hodgson burnett she wrote the secret garden mm-hmm but when she was alive, the Secret Garden was not 
her most popular book by any stretch. Okay. Not very many people were reading that at all. Her best um, selling books when she was alive was the Little Lord Fauntleroy. And it was um, her granddaughter who I, I got to um, attend a, a book club one time where the daughter her granddaughter great-granddaughter so one of her um posterity her posterity uh, spoke and she said that the little lord fauntleroy books were like the harry potter of the time mm -hmm. they were a big deal everyone loved them and people started writing plays little lord fauntleroy plays and mm -hmm. making money off of them and she was not a fan of this because mm -hmm. people were making money off of her intellectual mm -hmm. property. And she also didn't like how they were doing it. She felt like they were crappy plays and that her <laughs> work was being represented in a really subpar way. Yeah. yeah. And so she was actually one of the, um, one of the authors who instigated kind of the, our current and modern idea of, copyright for written material and novels she i think got a couple other authors on her side with it and they pressed for this change to make it possible to um you know not have work get stolen in that way and have it be mm -hmm. legal and and then copyright the, what we see today is copyright laws um is very similar to what she was able to um influence mm -hmm. i guess you could say yeah. um yeah i know that was a very convoluted way of saying all of that i don't know what my words are today it's just <laughs> <laughs> basically she is one of the um one of the authors who can be accredited with um what copyright laws are today for hmm. for authors and for um written intellectual property yeah that that makes a lot of sense and you know at this point we might as well say and on this week on we're lying but that's okay js and ludlow can't speak <laughs> tune in a, i get made fun of by family sometimes because i'm literally a, a writer and i struggle so yeah. much and i can't find the right words and yeah it, it's but it, it, most of the time it's like, what do you mean I can't go back and revise this before I say it? <laughs> like Yeah. I'm much seriously. more eloquent yeah. when I'm writing than I am when I'm speaking. And it wasn't always that way. I used to be a very eloquent speaker and and Max says I still am. Um, but I I struggle a lot more than I used to because of yeah. chronic health conditions. But Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, yeah. I I'm kind of the same way. I'm I don't know what's coming out of my mouth half the time. It's <laughs> I just hope I don't yeah. offend anybody too much, you know. Yeah, that's the goal, right? Or or lose a bunch of people along the way. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? That's my like catchphrase. Does that make sense? Yeah. And not <laughs> because I think the person listening is is too stupid to understand it, but because I'm worried that I am not being clear at all. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was one of the top, most timely memes I've ever seen in my life. I was like, "Yep, that's mm -hmm. that's it exactly." Oh yeah, that was a 
Yeah, I was a meme. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm often like, look, this isn't a reflection on you. This is entirely me being an idiot uh, when yeah. it comes to speaking. So. Yep. yep. All right. Back, Back to fan to fiction. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, you know, that actually is a great segue into the discussion of, you know, the quality of fan fiction. Yeah. Which varies greatly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's stuff out there that is like, oh gosh, mm-hmm. like you know, I I see where you're going here, but gosh, and yeah. then there's stuff that you're like, why wasn't this the real book or or mm-hmm. whatever? So yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely variable, just like writing is in general, though. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly. And sometimes. I think that you know some people just need that outlet, right? They're not writing it so that it's good necessarily. Or writing it because it's an opportunity to um, insert themselves in the story or to create a yeah. story that they wish had been there but wasn't. Yeah. And it's just a way for them to, an outlet, right? An outlet for them to get that story I'm, I'm, out of them. I'm going to um, to invoke the, the Sanderson rule, whatever that turns out <laughs> to be, and mention how Brandon has been like, you know, look, uh, writing on is its own reward. Like, it's good for mm-hmm. you. Go ahead and write. Like, even if yeah. you don't want to be published or anything, not everybody who goes out and plays basketball or tennis or something is looking to become a pro, mm-hmm. uh, nor could they. But yet, it's still really good for them to get out there and play. Yeah. So, you know, I can absolutely see fan fiction being important for, you know, some people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I had a therapist once who had me um, at the end of every day just mind dump everything that was bugging me that day, every bad Mm -hmm. thing that happened, every negative thought. And then when I'm finished, rip it up, crumple it up, burn it, destroy it in some way, and then start writing the good things, right? The, Mm -hmm. The things I wanted to write. And the way she uh explained it is it's like if you have food poisoning you got to get all of that out before Mm -hmm. you can eat again and and put something else in your body yeah and this was based on she was a professor as well and this was based on research that she had been a part of where they had people do that exercise writing you know all of the essentially purging all the Mm -hmm. negativity and, and frustrations from the day before then kind of doing that those gratitude practices or mm-hmm. other journaling exercises that are often encouraged for mental health and they did brain scans at the beginning and then brain scans 2 weeks later and just 2 weeks of doing this every day there was noticeable differences in the level of anxiety in these brain scans mm-hmm. and so she would have her students do this every semester and it was just without fail, a smashing success hmm. with all of her students every time. And right. if you you can Google, you know, writing for mental health and all that kind of stuff and find lots of studies to back that up. Yeah. Makes sense. I think I'm going to have to try some of that because what I'm doing right now isn't really working so well. Yeah. Maybe I need to try that for revisions. I've, I've never approached revisions in that way, but that's a that might work for me 
to just mind dump everything so that I can get rid of that chaos in my head with focus. (laughs) Yeah. I've been really struggling with that. Like, I just feel like I'm so... Um, so cluttered inside that mm-hmm. I've, I've been really struggling. So I actually even bought a notebook to just mind dump every night. Yeah. And me being me, I haven't touched it. But um, mm-hmm. I absolutely need to do that. I should do that before I start reading the to wind down. So, mm-hmm. That's why yeah. I do lists. And I I use, we were just talking, uh, Ludlow and I, before we started this recording, about how our desks are are very chaotic right now. <laughs> and mine's just covered in sticky notes. So many, just piles of them, literally piles. But I, I, that's what I do because I can't just hold something in my brain. I have to get it down. Mm-hmm. And the sticky notes are always right there. And so I just grab one and I dump whatever it is, whatever um, thought I had or list that I can't ignore in that moment whatever it is. And, yeah. and so then I end up with these piles of sticky notes, which, which is maybe just moving the chaos from my head into the physical, physical realm. But yeah, I've, you know, I've, and then at least it's not in my head. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where it does the most damage. Um, mm-hmm. You know, have you considered like a big marker board or something hanging up someplace? Yeah. I've done stuff it? like that before. Mm-hmm. Um I what I usually end up doing is every so often I collect all the sticky notes and then I you know or actually organize the information into more permanent um places and then dispose of the ones that aren't relevant anymore. Gotcha. So that's kind of my system. It's not a perfect system, but I honestly don't know if I could keep up with any other any other system. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um it can be hard. It'd be really mm-hmm. tough sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm all for people using fan fiction as an outlet. I think it's great. Um, publishing it, I think, is a really vulnerable thing oftentimes mm-hmm. um, for some people. I think some yeah. people, they, 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 they really don't care. They're not bothered. They can just publish anything and they feel fine, especially if they're under a username that's not identifying well that's kind of writing in general there too like you know Mm -hmm. some of us are so crippled by anxiety about it all that we're freaking out every little step and other Mm -hmm. people are like look at this i brought this into the world Mm -hmm. and in some some of those cases you're like maybe you should have left it in because (laughs) it was it was really awful (laughs) yeah i i want to be the second person not the one writing awful stuff but the one who's just yeah confident and 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 gives zero fucks right yeah <laughs> but i'm i'm yeah. the first one i'm the one crippled by anxiety and yeah it it's terrifying absolutely yeah. terrifying yeah for me too i mean getting feedback is is scary mm-hmm. and it's really funny because if it's among my peers most of the time i'm like okay, you know, hit me with it so I can tear this apart and make it better. But then every once in a while, there are people that I have to share it with that I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm scared. Yeah. yeah. Having family, like extended family, read my book was terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And then, of course, me being the overthinker and the anxious person um, and – you know, my imposter syndrome and all those lovely things. When people 
say great things about my book, I'm automatically thinking, what are you not saying about how bad it was? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that's. I'm just right. hearing the good stuff, but people are just not telling me the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, after after the writing group had read Hospice and given me feedback on on that short story, mm-hmm. I got a couple of my veteran friends to read it, and the, the feedback was was very similar in a lot of cases. In fact, you know, like one of them was like, yeah, this needs to be read. Like everybody needs to read Mm -hmm. this. And, you know, I was, I was scared to, to let them see it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was something. Mm -hmm. Um, fan fiction often goes into a direction of, um, steamy right Mm -hmm. you get fanfic romances between characters that weren't you know shipped in the in the book but fans were shipping them Mm -hmm. um you get straight up erotica Mm -hmm. from these worlds um all kinds of things and i i learned within the last couple years probably fan fiction isn't always based on like a movie or a book or a story people write fan fiction about celebrities too hmm. okay and yeah. there's, a, there's an entire book series um i think called after or at least the first one is called after about harry styles and one direction and hmm. this started out as fan fiction about harry styles and then it ends up being published and Harry's name was replaced with a another name that starts with H and it became this series. I don't have no idea what it's about. I, I can only guess that it's probably romance, but mm-hmm. um I, I learned, you know, that people write fan fiction about celebrities. And I think that fan fiction can be um one of the most like confusing and disturbing places to be with 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 the very um creative and I mean in some cases honestly disturbing ideas that people can have and that comes out in those areas. And I think that's a big reason why I haven't read a lot of fan fiction myself. Because you kind of have to sift through some of that stuff in order to find something that you enjoy. And not to say that people don't enjoy that other stuff. Obviously they do. People are writing it, you know. Um, but I think that it's hard to have a conversation about fan fiction without talking about the, you know, kind of erotica, mm-hmm. steamy side of things um, that, you know, it's it veers really close to essentially written porn where the story isn't really there. It's not really story. It's just... Um, very much about the sexualization and mm-hmm. yeah anyway <laughs> you can tell i'm super comfortable talking about that <laughs> yeah yeah um you know the the disturbing thing is some of it is really really well done um there is in fact an mm-hmm. artist who basically writes like halfling pornography as a comic mm. and makes north of ten thousand dollars a month from patreon doing it oh yeah i think at one point he was 15 or sixteen thousand dollars a month he might have slipped down to like 
13 now or something but yeah mm-hmm. yeah i wow. mean for and the guy's an amazing artist i mean mm-hmm. it's you know sometimes you you kind of have to look for, look at it with like one eye and be like oh gosh i can't believe you just did that but <laughs> you know his writing is solid and the art is amazing and mm-hmm. you know it's definitely i mean it it kind of feels like like all the jokes about D D, you know about the bard running around you know seducing mm-hmm. everybody and sleeping with everybody that's kind of where it feels like it went so you mm-hmm. know sometimes it just feels like D D fan fiction erotica yeah yeah so yeah and you know it's it, that it's people living out their fantasies right yeah. and by either reading it the fan fiction or writing it you're you're creating fantasy and getting to experience it yeah 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 i mean but again that goes back to the the quality issue that we talked about you know there's amazing Mm -hmm. stuff out there and then there's stuff that you're just like okay well you know keep practicing yeah yeah. um which i think all of those are equally um they they all equally have a right to be yeah existing and to be written and to be out there yeah absolutely i mean you know, if if you're somebody who's got the uh, the idea of becoming an author down the road, and you know you're writing fan fiction for now, go for it. You know, even if even if you don't feel like it's very good, or most other people mm-hmm. tell you, well, you know, I don't know about this. Get the bad words out, like yeah. you know, get the get the crap out of your system, mm-hmm. and then go for it, and keep practicing. You know, mm-hmm. as long as you're actively practicing, you're just going to keep getting better and better. Yeah. 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 Um, obviously, I think there's exceptions. Um, there's times where you become harmful to different communities or yeah. or things like that, and and that's the line, right? But as far as like all the wild things, all of the super different places people can go with it, I think the more diversity we have, the better. Even yeah. if it's not all diversity, diversity that everybody likes. Yeah, there's some. I think there's some writers out there who are on the far right end of the political spectrum who do a lot of like wish fulfillment novels and people eat them up. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. you know, there are people on the, on the far left who do the same thing. And again, mm-hmm. people eat them up. You just have to find your own audience. Yeah. Um, so, you know, do I wish some of it wasn't being written? Yeah. But you know, you can't, yeah. you know, what do you do? You just kind of roll with it and, yeah. And write your stuff and, and hope you find your audience too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so there's a a dude, a guy, um, Dr. Henry Jenkins. He is or was either one, not sure which, an MIT professor. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a paper or actually it was a whole book. He wrote a book about fan fiction and how it is essentially literary criticism Mm. and it should be uh, completely allowed legally because it's literary criticism. And he thinks, you know, we've got our scholarly essays and then that kind of criticism that nobody says isn't okay. And then fan fiction people have their own opinions about, right. And his feeling is that, you know, fan fiction is a type of criticism. It's Mm -hmm. a, either heartily agreeing with the original saying this is what should be different sometimes it's uh looks into different themes or different issues the original source might have had for example Mm -hmm. 
the women who are writing Star Trek fan fiction. It was a criticism about how Star Trek portrayed female characters mm-hmm. and the number of, of prominent male characters versus prominent female characters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you're looking back at something like that, um, it's very obvious, right? It's a criticism. And his idea is that there should be laws that protect fan fiction hmm. because it's a form of criticism, hmm. which I thought was a really interesting take. Yeah, I think it's an interesting take. I think it might be stretching it, but, you know, then again, I'm not an expert on the law side of this. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I think it would depend on the fan fiction, right? For me, yeah. at least. Of, of whether I would consider it criticism or uh, like living out fantasy. Yeah. 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 Whether that's inserting yourself into the story or creating erotica out of it, whatever fantasy that is. Yeah. I think, you know, you could have both in one piece of fan fiction, but I don't think you necessarily always have criticism in every piece of fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of wish mm-hmm. fulfillment is always like, I don't know. It just throws me a little bit. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay. But, you know, again, people write for all kinds of different reasons. And if that's why Mm -hmm. they want to write, you know, if that's what they're comfortable with, or they just feel they've got to get that out. then Okay. Got it. Yep. So if you were to ever write fan fiction, what would, what world or what series would you write about? You know, it's a completely reasonable question that I'm just not at all ready to, to answer. Um, I know. It's a tough question. <sighs> I could have warned you, but no, I'm not no. that nice. <laughs> <laughs> and and it wouldn't be me having to think on my feet. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, to be honest with you, I, um, I would say probably the Malazan world um, by Steven Erickson and Ian um, Cameron Esselmont. Um, I just love it. And it's it's specifically designed to be so large and so expansive that you can have the the really crazy powerful characters and they're mm-hmm. not necessarily going to like you know you you can just have these really crazy circumstances and it's not going to blow up any other plot or anything mm-hmm. you know the world is filled with with kind of wild and crazy things it feels very much more real and lived in than than a lot of other fantasy including like wheel of time or uh mm-hmm. middle earth stuff um you yeah. know they feel very barren in a lot of ways and the malazan stuff never does mm-hmm. so yeah that would probably be one of them um that's probably going to be my big one to be honest yeah with yeah it's a hard question if you've never considered ever writing fan fiction yeah. before yeah. and it's like, I mean, fan writing fan fiction isn't my, isn't my thing. I don't read a lot of it either, but um, if I, if I had to pick one that I would write fan fiction about, um, I, I think Frankenstein would be a really interesting, mm. I mean, it's been done, right? Yeah. It's been yeah. done a lot. But the specifically the themes, um, I, I think would be really interesting yeah. to work with. Yeah. Um, I think classics in general 
for me would be the the most interesting i to 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 use yeah um shakespeare produces some really excellent fan fiction so many films and and books are based on shakespeare plays and Mm -hmm. follow the same premise just in a different setting Mm -hmm. and a lot of shakespeare plays like as that's written with the exact same script were set in different time periods and with Mm -hmm. different backdrops um i did two gentlemen of verona in high school and we set it in the the 50s that was a lot of fun um i like the idea of taking these themes that can be timeless and Mm -hmm. showing how they're timeless so of course you know uh consistent with me and my my scholarly uh take on things and love of school i would do it in a very like academic scholarly kind of exercise no, way. <laughs> I would never have called that. Um, you know, I, I think anything where I get to the end of it and I'm like, I gotta know what else happens. I've got to know what's mm-hmm. next. That those are the kinds of things I would want to write in. So there is yeah. actually another setting and another world that I can think of that I'd love to write in immediately. And that's um, Angie Sage's uh, Septimus Heap series. Uh, she wrote seven books for the Septimus Heap books, uh, or, or, uh, series Septology, I guess. And then a trilogy based on another character in the same world. And I just wanted more. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah. I'd get to the end of it, each and every one of them and they're young adult books. And I just, mm-hmm. maybe even middle grade. And I just wanted more, wanted more, yeah. wanted more. Yeah. So I think Firefly was that for a lot of people. Oh Yeah. A yeah. lot of fan fiction came out of Firefly because yeah. it had a premature ending and, yeah. and everybody was left hanging and yeah. those gaps needed to be filled somehow. And, and so yeah. people filled those gaps themselves. Yeah. Um, it, it spawned an amazing board game. Um, by the Firefly way. did? Yeah. Yeah. Incredible oh, board I didn't game. know that. Yeah. I got rid of it fairly recently because I hadn't played it in a few years and was like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. But yeah, amazing board game. You can literally just kind of fly around and do stuff for hours and not That's get cool. the game done. Like you literally could just <laughs> for a day, you could just fly around and do stuff and and not actually get the uh the um the the stuff in the scenario that you're playing mm-hmm. accomplished. And so sometimes I look at the games as kind of another continuation. Um that same company did an amazing Spartacus game where you run each player is somebody is a uh is a uh um a house or like one of the the gladiator stables um so yeah yeah there's some great stuff out there if you can if you look at like games as well but Mm -hmm. i think of games as a way another way of telling stories sometimes is it fanfic yeah absolutely yeah yeah it's 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 fan storytelling Mm -hmm. even if it's, it's not like formal written fan fiction yeah. um but like max's uh brandon sanderson world cosmere uh, D D campaign that he's doing right now um i mean it's fan storytelling yeah it's it's adjacent to fan yeah. fiction i think yeah i i would think so too so mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of neat i mean there's just so many options out there so many different ways you can go run with it you know, there are comics or, or uh, comics from television shows that have ended, like um, uh, Penny Dreadful, 
where all of a sudden the comic just stops and it's like ah, i wanted more like where's the rest of it what what happens so yeah there's great yeah. ways of doing it all right well that is our time for today we've been your hosts ludlow adams and jay Scarity. thanks for tuning in join us next week for a new topic about the world of fiction this has been we're lying but that's okay Big thanks to our listeners for your support. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review. Thank you to our one-man production and tech support team, Max Garrity, for making this podcast possible.